Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions all apply. See website for details. He's scoring goals. I'm going, look at my son. Look at my boy. Hello everybody, hope you're all well. Welcome to Righty's House on Ringer FC. Today we're going to be talking about Jean-Philippe Mateta, just a little touch on him. Going to give flowers to Romelu Lukaku and Jesse Lingard. I feel like a, a proud uncle this week. And we're also going to talk about Sunday's Premier League games and much more. And joining me is Musa Akwanga and Carl Anka from The Athletic. Guys, we're going to start with Jean-Philippe Mateta. I'm really excited for him, but I'm really worried also simply because of what happened to Benteke. Mm. And the way they didn't feed Benteke. And we've seen that Benteke, if you feed him and get the ball in there, he can do all sorts of stuff. Over yeah. kicks, Ed as well. He can do stuff. But we've seen his confidence drain because he doesn't get no service. And I saw it was happening with Mateta yesterday. And, you know, for the goal he scored, I was delighted for him because he's going to need to do something. He's going to need to do something different. Because yeah. I think that if yeah. Palace carry on playing like they are, no support for him, you know what I mean? Like up there on his own. It's going to be very tough for him. Carl has talked about this, actually. Carl talks about centre-backs and how so much of how they perform is dependent upon like the con- surrounding context, right? And that's the same for strikers. Like Either extremes of the pitch, either extremes of space, really, like either third. And it's so easy for a striker that's superb, and we'll talk about Lukaku, obviously, later, where mm. a striker who is absolutely superb, who doesn't have the right context, easily looks like they're not. Yeah. yeah. Not the business. You just need to look at Martial now. The context is just off. And now he just looks robbed of his aura. From the time he's been at Man United to now, in the way his game has evolved, it's not gone a million miles in respect of no. coming in from the left, cutting in and wanting to finish to the goalkeeper's left. He doesn't do much more. He, mm. he hasn't, you know, when you look at how they, and like you said, we speak about Lukaku. When you look at how Man United fans and people spoke about Lukaku and the lack of, striker playing him and the way he used his, his, his touch and everything what they say and you look at Marshall he doesn't seem to have grasped anything in the way he links to play he plays he moves off of the ball he makes runs for other people I mean yeah Ian's right like Martial's sort of play 
it's throughout his entire time at Manchester United, Martial was a good finisher, right? So mm. even if stuff wasn't going well, he still knew how to put the ball in the back of the net. He still had the sort of Henri style finish. He could do laces. He could do half decent headers as well. He, mm. like he had yeah. three or four different weapons. And for various reasons, the rest, the other parts of his game, the other stuff from number nine stuff that you want. So hold up play. Mm. His hold up play is okay. You know, it's, he's all right with his back towards goal. But he's only really got one sort of post move. You know, he, he tries mm. to hold it up, then he tries to do a one-two, and then he tries to mm. turn inside. And it's one of those things of, other than that, sometimes he stands in the wrong place. Sometimes he runs towards traffic. Yeah. So there was a run he yeah. did on Sunday where, you know, Luke Shaw was bombing down and he just ran towards traffic and took the centre-back yeah. with him towards with Luke him, yeah. Shaw. And you're going, oh, you can't do that, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think it's the thing about strikers. Is it like strikers, centre backs, goalkeepers? It's one of those things where when you lose it or whatever, like your one trick was, yeah, this drop can be so dramatic. Do you know? I think a scary thing happens where, like in the Matrix, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. Neo, the Matrix sequel, Neo's fighting and he's like upgrades. Yep. You know, he fights the new mm-hmm. yes, upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Yes, like yeah. Every season, the Premier League mm. defenders they're upgrades, right? Because they yeah. work out. There's an amazing interview that Sid Lowe does for the Guardian with um Felipe Luis. And it's all about studying Messi and how he studies Messi's movement. And like every year they're working out what Martial does. And there was one year when United play Liverpool at um, Old Trafford and they basically just like swarm Martial out by the touchline. Three mm-hmm. of them. They just blanket him and that's it. It's done, right? And Martial actually drew a lot of coverage, but he never learned how to play in coverage, right? How to mm-hmm. draw a man, all of that. And the scary thing with him is it's almost, you see the same thing with Usman Dembele as well, that generation of like so extravagantly talented. I'm not saying they don't work hard. I'm not saying that, but so extravagantly talented that you don't realize that the game is catching you up. And all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Over, all of a sudden, they acquire an immunity to you mm-hmm. and you're not like, you're not that danger anymore. You know yeah. what I was thinking? It's so interesting you say that just before we move on. It's, um, I, I put that down as well to, to Musa, them guys being so good when they were a young age. Because yes. remember, the, like, I, t- I put Lukaku in that bracket as well. It's so good that, Maybe they, 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 they don't get a certain amount of coaching because they mm. are a certain, the body and the way the body is and the, the way they're thinking at that age, maybe what they're teaching other people, they needed to be maybe at a high level to learn more about the actual position and what they're doing because it seems like they were doing such great things. They just left them to get on with it without them actually learning um, the strike and why you run here, why you don't run there when Luke Shaw's going there because you want to, leave that space for him, why you need to pin that defender and why you need to make sure you're just setting stuff up. for. So- I remember having to learn that so quickly at Palace, coming from the Sunday morning. And when I look at, um, I looked at Lukaku for a bit and I was thinking, Lukaku should be a lot further on with his link up and his hold up playing the way he should be using his body, which we're seeing him do unbelievably now in, um, in, in Italy. And I think that Martial is the same. And I think it goes back to them not getting the same cal- the kind of coaching that centre forward should have got at a young age because they were so good. They maybe yeah. I, I don't know. That's yeah. just no. That, imagine that's, what Guardiola. Yeah. Imagine what Pep would have done yeah. with I, um yeah. with with Martial. But like Martial's coaching was all interrupted. Yeah. Look, he had the most broken array of coaching. Whereas someone like Ander Herrera, Ander Herrera has had an elite footballing education at every single club, pretty much. Even when Herrera was struggling, I mean Herrera's under like Bielsa, Mourinho. Mm. Like he's been everywhere. So. It's all about development with Martial, I think. Can we, you know, while we're on 
we're on the look. Can we give Lukaku some love and flowers now, yes. guys? Yes, Please. yes. I love him. Because I don't know if I could be any more proud of somebody's rise. Because let's face it, man, coming out of Man United and the, 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 the shit and the criticism that that guy was taking. Yeah. Ugh. And can I be t- totally honest? I remember, I, and this, you know, I remember getting a call from him when he was in between Juventus and Inter Milan, and me and him were talking about where he should go. And what wow. He what. It was oh honestly, no way. Yes, we was talking about it. And I was saying, the thing about it is, is that I remember saying to him, Conte's always loved you, bro. Conte's wow. always mm-hmm. wanted you. You know, and, you know, you look at Juventus with Ronaldo. Of course, there's something about wanting to play with Ronaldo, but it will be Ronaldo. Yes. I don't believe if he goes to Juventus, he gets, look, he is the man there now. Yes, yes. see that. You know what I mean? Oh and, and the way yes. that we, he was treated here in this country, I swear to God, <laughs> to see him go, it makes, I feel so proud of him. It's amazing. It's amazing. Listen, I'm Team Lukaku. It is what it is. Team Luke. Unashamed, team unashamed, unashamed. I'm in the corner. I'm in the corner holding the towels. I'm in the corner yes. holding the towels. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're scoring goals. I'm going, look at my son. Look at my boy. So proud of him. So you know something? Can I just go a, a little bit deeper on it, guys? Because I think that what you've got to understand as well, when you're a black player of that stature and calibre, and it's not going right. The pylon's fucking intense. It's man. a level. It must be a level, right? They were saying Lukaku was playing in jeans, remember, oh, at Manchester United. People, Manchester United fans were mocking him up in Levi jeans and putting him in Timberlands <laughs> and saying his first shot touch was this and saying it was that. <sighs> remember, I yeah. remember, so just before he leaves Manchester United, mm. you know, he basically said, I'm, I'm sick and tired of all this criticism and uploads a photograph onto Twitter. Um, and it's, it's like real life training data of Manchester United and the sprints because mm. everyone's saying he's slow and he's, you know, they were calling him overweight and whatnot. And he uploaded the information. He's like, no, look, look at my sprinting data. I'm not, I'm not the football player you are mocking me for. It's just show that goal, what he scored on the weekend yeah. as well. That goal is brilliant because he knows it's exactly, George Weiss. He knows exactly where to run, right? He makes yeah. the right decision at the right time, three or four times in a row. He gets the ball, sees it, looks it up and goes, oh, if, if I run, towards the left-hand side, there's going to be more space. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. about the tight angle because I can shoot with both feet. So people saying he's not got football intelligence. I'm like, no, he's Honestly. so clever. So Actually, can we jump into that? Because no, Go I'm on. not going to name names, but there was a prominent um, journalist who said that Murata was far more intelligent at football than Lukaku. And it was never substantiated what it meant by that. And it was like, Lukaku speaks, what, multiple languages, He's been, been at multiple clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah multiple what is he, what's he basing that on? But th- there was, it was never, well, it was never, ex- they never explained, they never elaborated because they couldn't because you compare their records over the last few years, there's no comparison. I love Morata, brilliant player, but there's no comparison in terms of the goal scoring and influence. And what struck me, I remember when I was writing about United towards the end of my time writing about United, um, I think I was kind of winding down then, but I remember writing a comment about this song they were singing about Lukaku. Mm-hmm. about him being like having a huge manhood. And I was like, the problem mm. with a song like that, I said, when you have these, in quotes, positive stereotypes about black guys, the flip side is negative and people love him now, but when they flip on him, it's going to be more severe and more brutal. Yeah. The mm-hmm. funny thing was, I wrote this on Twitter and I got one of those guys, I will not name the clown who wrote about me, but they wrote an entire essay about how I was attacking the working class football fan for singing the songs they wanted to sing 
and how there was no evidence that Lukaku was going to be victimized. And literally I sat back and happened, watched it all happen exactly a year later, just as I said it would happen. And I was like, mm-hmm. the, what, the reason why I root for Lukaku is the same reason I root for George Weah and Didier mm-hmm. Drogba and Demba Barr and, and Samuel Etu. If you are a, a dark-skinned black guy playing football anywhere in Europe and you conduct yourself with a certain level of like confidence, like visible confidence, people get the guillotines out. Mm-hmm. They get the spiritual guillotines out, not the physical ones, of course, but the spiritual ones, they come mm-hmm. for you. Like if you look at the way that certain footballers are covered because black footballers, oh, they're so humble. They're so self-effacing. It's almost like they're in their place. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I love humility. I think it's a great quality, but it's so funny how it's almost like, look at that humble one compared to that arrogant one. And yep. they play them off against each other. Sometimes and they in the say same you've team. got attitude problems. Sometimes in the same yeah, midfield. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, yeah. Attitude. everyone becomes a body language expert when it comes to a dark skinned black man. Right, right, exactly. Everyone, everyone is checking your body language if you're a dark-skinned black man. Most, you know, most people, they don't, you know. I put in a lot of effort into my public appearance and the way I walk in yeah. professional settings because I yeah. know if I'm not smiling or if I'm, if I'm moving too quickly or if I'm moving too slowly or if I'm saying too much or saying too little, that's being watched. That's being put down in a thing of, oh, Carl. Yeah. Carl's, he's, mm. he's just a bit arrogant, isn't he? Because he doesn't say anything. Like, no, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, so, yeah. So they're always trying to monitor your body language. The amount of things, again, to bring back to Martial, Martial is now being played off against Lukaku because Lukaku was scoring and Martial mm. isn't. So now it's this thing of people are saying, Anthony Martial has attitude problems at Manchester United and he's a dressing room. He's, he's negative to the dressing room, which is just not true. Like, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer refers to Martial as Anto in every single press conference. He gives him an affable nickname. He very clearly enjoys Martial and, and really wants him to be a good football player because you would, wouldn't you? If, if you have a striker who's not scoring goals, you don't, you don't want them to be, you don't want to call them a dressing room this or an attitude problem that. You want them to be happy and get back into form. But we're already seeing this stuff with Anthony Martial about how he's, you know, he's a, he sulks. He doesn't sulk. Mm. He's just, he's a black kid from Paris. That they don't he's, smile all the time. He's got a very serious face. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got the same face. same expression all the time. It's just like it's. I I think it's pretty funny. His expression never changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, I'd love to see, um, Anthony Anthony Martial just like smiling. You know, in in fits of laughter. I've never seen it. He clearly right. does that all the time at Carrington. <laughs> I'd love to see it. You know, we might as well talk about United and Newcastle. Mm. Um, while we're here, Carl, Carl, what do you make of that game? Yeah, um, weird one. Like that was a mm. really convincing scoreline, but I don't think it's an un- a convincing performance. Mm. This United team are in this really interesting point where I think I think at the top level of football. So if you're a Champions League team, if you're a team that mm. wants to win the Champions League, you're on. You know, you talk to the coaches, you talk to players at, at those sorts of clubs, and they mm. talk less about individual qualities and they talk more about the collective. So it's all about. Mm the collective work in midfield and up front and in defence and how you basically manage space and look for p- mm. space on the pitch. And United, when you talk to United players or United staff, they, they speak like the base level. Like, yeah, it's all about finding space on the pitch. But the, I think one of the big differences between, like, say, Manchester United or, say, a Paris Saint-Germain or a Bayern Munich or, I mean, even, like, Manchester City or Liverpool is when you talk to one of the, you know, players from those clubs or managers from those clubs, they will always talk about how they force the issue of finding space. Okay. Okay, Whereas yeah, at Manchester yeah. United, it's all about, we, we look for space. 
Whereas Liverpool go, okay, we do this to stretch it this way, and we do this to stretch it horizontally, and that way there's going to be extra space that we can play into. Uh, yeah, And it's that thing of Manchester United are better now than they, I think, ever have been since Ferguson left. Like Solskjaer's done a really good job. He's decluttered, he's de-weeded, he's got them, he's got everyone basically on the same page and they're all going in a nice direction. I think the worry is there's like three or four clubs in England. Let me, no, let me, let me peel that back. Mm. There's three clubs in England, possibly a little bit yeah. further in their yeah, plan. Yeah. And then on Europe worldwide, there's probably half a dozen a bit further. And it's that thing of when you're doing quite well, but there's that very, very... Right awkward thing that you can possibly see someone about to lap you. It's the 15%, isn't it? It's the final 15%, I feel, with Solskjaer. I've always felt like, you know that amazing thing? There's an amazing interview, which, um, who was it? No, Henri gives about uh, Guardiola talking about, you can do whatever you do. You need to get to the final third like this. Mm -hmm. You need to get on the touchline and hug the touchline and get out there and then you make the play. Then you can improvise. But until then, you don't do any of that. Mm -hmm. And watching Manchester United arrive in the final third is almost like, um, I said this on Twitter, we were talking on Twitter about this, Carl, there's a bit too much urgency almost. Like sometimes there's a, there's a great concept yeah. called obliquity. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. to get the thing you want, you can't go directly to it. You know, when you mm-hmm. fly to a military target, you have to go via yeah. a waypoint so they don't know coming directly mm-hmm. for them, right? Mm. You go I don't straight. Know, but thank you for sharing. Yeah, but it's, all those, all those. Keep, sorry, sorry. Oh my God, my, this is, my, my this is the joy when you talk to Musa. He goes, "You know this. You know this." Like, <laughs> we don't know. Oh, we don't start, know. Musa. Start telling them. Start quoting Agamemnon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's oh yeah, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Corner, isn't it? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this thing about if you go too directly for your target, mm-hmm. everyone knows you're coming for it. And you saw mm-hmm. United doing this against Newcastle, where I think it was Daniel James breaking to the final yeah. third and surging into a gap but the gap's not wide enough because he's not engineered the gap. Mm-hmm. And so, and this, the problem is the knock-on effect for that for United has been for years that people like Martial and Rashford snatching at chances because the quality, the quality of opportunity you're getting isn't good enough. I think Carl wrote this actually a couple of years ago about how Manchester City have a stock goal and Manchester United don't have a stock goal. I That's that Ryan. You, Ryan Hunt said that. He said that on Stadio. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Ryan, Ryan said it on Stadio and then I put in an article. Okay, well... Well, it came, I knew it came out of the Ringer FC Extended Universe anyway. Yeah, so yeah. Shout out to Rye, bro. Can't take, don't take Rye's stuff, bro. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying. go off, bro. go off on that. Can I just say about Daniel James, just a quick mention of Daniel James. There's a kind of a Duracell bunny vibe about him, man. He just yeah. looks like, he gives me the impression that he feels like he's, it's his, his last chance. He looks like he's trying too hard. And what I saw mm. from the other day and the way he was helping getting back with Wan-Bissaka and doing his, and delighted he scored his goal. You can see somebody who's working terribly hard yes. to try and fit in. Um, I think that some of the criticism towards him is quite harsh because he's a young player, came from Swansea. And when he, when he hit the ground, he hit the ground literally flying yes. with the goals and what he was doing, the pace, the intensity. And it was something at the time that I thought Man United needed. It was something different. They think, wow, look at this guy, he's electric. But again, he seems to have He's kind of like found his level there and he's just doing exactly the same thing. Mm. Whereas with the kind of pace and the kind of work rate he's got about himself, I just feel that, again, with a bit more coaching to... In, I'm not saying he's a Guardiola player, mm-hmm. but like you're saying, Musa, about getting somewhere and being patient enough to trust the process of that will happen. If yeah. you get yourself there, then that's going to happen. Because remember, people are afraid of your pace. Mm-hmm. Don't give them the pace straight away. Get them in a position where you, you know, like a chess move, you're putting them in the right position so they make the move, 
you kill them. Right. And that is the only thing left now I want to see with Daniel James because I don't think people saying that he's not good enough for Man United. I don't, I don't, t- I don't believe that. I think he yeah. is. But it's just now the next move in respects of him not giving up on the fact that I'm at United. And when you go to United, United is a club you can stay at for the rest of your career if you're good enough because you don't need to go anywhere else for what you're going to need in football because Man United should be able to provide it. So why wouldn't you do everything you can to work as hard as you can to get to the levels you need to get to so as you can stay at a club like that? Yes. You know, because you look, I, I look at Bruno Fernandes and he just seems to be getting more and more frustrated with people, Carl, um, when I'm watching him. Every, yeah. Literally, now, and I'm, 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 I don't want people to take this wrong and say, oh, right, he's digging him out. I'm not digging him out. Right, right. But I, I just look at leaders like him, who's now, he's obviously the leader of Manchester United, right? It's blatantly obvious to see. Yep. And Dennis was the leader for us on the pitch. I never saw him get frustrated with individuals to the point where he's turning and, and doing that thing because it's so demoralizing for you. Yes. And it seems like yeah. everything that is, he looks like a perfectionist, Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything yeah. that is not bang on perfect, he seems to have, he, he seems to be upset. I think it's, a good upset and it was a good jolt when he turned up and, and I've described him before as a catalyst. He, he makes mm-hmm. everything quicker and at a team at Manchester United where I think largely the, the attacking play is up to your own interpretation. So it's not yeah. quite Guardiola where you have to do all this stuff and then you can do this. Yeah. Solskjaer is very much, here's the basic plan. Here's four, th- five things you need to look out for. And other than that, go for it. Go and do it. Yeah. Um, which it works a lot more when you've got Bruno saying you pl- whatever you do do it quickly and you do it right. with intensity and th- and that's his thing and that's why you know he he's that ultimate sort of player who cannot have a great performance but can still end up with a goal or end up with an assist mm. and he got a goal and assist oh, not much and it's interesting how i think after the Everton game and then after West Bromwich Albion game where he said you know the defense needs to get better otherwise things might be, get concerning and you can see he's probably the person at the training ground who's, who's, you know, when players are playing it sideways, he's like, no, come on, play it forwards, which used to yeah. be Roy Keane's job. There's yes. that great story um, Rio Fernand always tells about how he turns up to Manchester United from Leeds. And he's like, yeah, I'm the most expensive centre-back in the world right now. And then they do a training session, he passes it sideways and Roy Keane just screams, I'm like, what are you doing? Right. This is Manchester United, you play it forward. And I think Bruno's got that sort of angry. Actually, I don't think he's angry yes. in that he's going to dig you out and call you rubbish. Frustrated? Yeah, I think it's a frustration of, I think that there's, I think there's a, you can do better frustration, yeah. not yeah. a, your mm. rubbish frustration. And I think Bruno has that sort of, come on, man, do better. I know you can do better. Which to be honest, Carl, as well, I, I feel like, I feel like watching that goal that Rashford scored, it worried me, actually. It worried me because it was brilliant. And it was like, look how hard United have to work to score goals. Like when that, that's why I love the James goal because the James goal was like, okay, this is a reassuringly straightforward goal, right? We take it for granted now because I think the level of speed and, and, and technique has risen exponentially in the last few years. I mean, the way, the way that like Martial and Rashford and Pogba manipulate the ball, they're like freestyle footballers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 25, 30 years ago, a lot of strikers were not playing with the skill level of like freestyle footballers on the beach. And this is now mm-hmm. for granted. And what worried me, United get that lead and they couldn't really hold it. And it was like, the level of defending needs to be at that elite level. And mm-hmm. that's why Fernandez is frustrated. Right. You know, it's funny because looking at Solskjaer and looking at Jadon Sancho, I'm not, <laughs> I don't like to mention this comparison too often, but 
Mm. It's very easy to improvise when you have the intelligence that Solskjaer and Jadon Sancho have. In fact, they were quite similar players playing on the right wing, I thought, in terms of playmakers, where they held the ball up on the wing and whatever. And Solskjaer trusts his forwards to be playmakers, mm-hmm. maybe because he trusts them to be as smart as he was. Because mm-hmm. a lot of Solskjaer's playmaking was inspired, actually. When he played as a right wing, I think in 2003, he was an absolutely amazing player. Yeah. He was, he was very used. To, does that make sense, Carl? He was very yeah. used to being a DIY forward. And it's almost like he's creating a DIY forward line in his own image, if that makes sense. Yeah, Mason Greenwood is, is, has got this really interesting development now where Solskjaer very clearly wants to play him through the middle in a season or two. But then on the right-hand side, he's using Greenwood in a very interesting way. Greenwood now, basically anytime Marcus Rashid is on the ball on the left, Greenwood is waving his hand and is making those runs on the right-hand side because he wants, he wants those switches. And that's one of those very obvious things Solskjaer is trying to bring to this team right now, which is... Right, right. Rashford and Green would switch the ball and can get you on either side of the wing. And, you know, both of those men are good ball carriers, good shot creators. Um, Greenwood especially can shoot both footed with step overs and whatnot. So that's a good that's a good thing. And that's something that Solskjaer is definitely planning. When I look at United and you look at the great United, it's interesting what you say about like it playing in his image where they just they're up there and then they just go go and do it now. Mm-hmm. Whereas Back back in the day, when you look at all the forwards that used to play for United, and it, you you have to go back to United because they were magnificent. It's fucking difficult to play against them. They were so good at everything, and I just feel that them going away from having a focal centre forward who links the play, whether it's Sheringham, whether it's Cole and York or whatever it is, but the way that they keep the ball in that area a lot better than they do now, they don't seem to keep the ball in and around that area, we're seeing Cole and, Cole and Dwight York moves, Teddy Sheridan being able to link plays, Skulls coming on to him. You know, even when Solskjaer played, they had, a, they had a plan once they got in there that they could play into forwards. You can link and so the ball stays in an area where Man United can pick teams apart. It doesn't happen anymore. And I'm surprised that now, that, that you know, even with Cavani, who's not that guy, I don't think that he's that link-up guy to make that happen, the goals into him and he can keep it long enough for him to link play or they can have two, two forwards who interchange from the, the ball comes in, one overs, it goes to the other one. That kind of clever, inventive forward play in and around the, the, the last third that Man United just do not do. And I can't see, and it's, it's baffling to me that Solskjaer, who played in those teams, is not looking for that kind of, those kind of forwards that can do that, that can keep Man United. I think he is. Think, I think he is. I think he, he is. Because that's got to happen because like they're talking about, if they're talking about Mason Greenwood as the guy that they're going to eventually play down the middle, it, it's not the same. It's not the same as what Man United built all their success on with the strikers. Now I know that f- football evolves in the positions and we're seeing inverted wingers and wingers scoring loads of goals, but that was a formula that worked. The nine, the nine, nothing. Yeah. That's the thing though, but that, that player, do you know how years ago there was a kind of real dearth of world-class left-backs, right? You just couldn't find yeah. one. You'd look everywhere and you just, you know what I'm saying, Carl, you couldn't find them, right? Elite number nines. This is why Erling Haaland is extraordinary because he's emerged at a time when, you look at him and Lewandowski, they are just in a different universe. This right? was something Barcelona Wenger warned about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was, exa- yes, the universality, was, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, you know, during the universality phase where, where Spain uh, and to, to, to a lesser degree, Germany were, were getting all these midfield players that could play everywhere. Right. I think Arsene Wenger said, 
this was during that time where Arsenal were nearly always linked to Higuain. Um, Wenger said words along the lines of proper number nine play is sort of dying out in Europe because we're overcoaching players. So you had to go mm. to South America to get people. And it was that thing of, I mean, nines are just a different breed. Yeah. Really. Like yeah. I, I've always said this, like you could get any sort of team photograph and I could show it, you know, it doesn't have to be a recognizable one. I could show it to a stranger and say, which one's the striker. And you would instinctively know based on like the haircut mm. or the tattoos or the way they're just mm. like sat. There's just a certain vibe to a striker. That's just, different and uh, yeah it's energy. the thing where yeah big nine energy it is right I want that and, guy back and we're bringing I want that forward back yeah. yeah and this is what you know Musa wrote that good piece on the ring about how they're coming back and how Haaland is this new sort of he's the old-fashioned big man but he's got all the new tricks that the new age strikers have right and it's the that thing is- of Haaland can do everything but also that guy eats up everything in a six-yard box do you know that he reminds me of reminds me of Christian Vieri Oh, remember that. Do you remember Chris? You remember Christian Vieri? What Christian Vieri did that's to a shout. Christian Vieri, what he did shout. to Lilian Turam. I've never seen terror. I've like never that. seen that. Yes, terrorized Turam. Yes. Listen, I love Lilian Turam. Listen, I love him politically, social politically as a defender. The great one, of the greatest of all time. You know, arguably the goat. But what my man Vieri did to him on the edge of that box. Can listen. I say about Erlen Haaland? So, is that he's like. Thor Ragnarok playing football. (laughs) 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 This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. You know, so we've got um, West Ham. Um, I, was, I was speaking to someone yesterday, guys, and he was saying, can West Ham stay there? And you obviously, you have to think, well, obviously they need to keep Mikel Antonio fit for the rest of the season, but confidence-wise and momentum-wise, I don't think they should fear anyone. But I think David Moyes has got to take an enormous amount of credit for what he's doing because the disrespect that man has been shown in the way that people have employed him as interim and caretaker and, mm. and, 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 what, and the body of work he'd done at Everton. Of course, no, he didn't win a load of stuff, but the way he built that team and what yeah, he's doing that was now, amazing. Yeah. he's a manager that needs time. You know, and I'm quite pleased now that West Ham, the owners at West Ham have finally realised, you know, like when they employed him, oh, just, just keep us in the league and then we're looking for another manager, but just do, so disrespectfully, to see what he's doing now mm-hmm. and yeah. the way that he's built that team, guys, um, which we'll go into, is it's just testament to him. Yeah. And it, the, the faith he's had in himself because he's, it's a raw deal off of the back of Man United. And I believe that w- the way he is, he needed the time what he was never going to get at Man United. Yeah. He's never going to get it. And you look back at it now, probably you think himself, I don't know what you think, Carl. I, I don't think that when you look at back now at what he's capable of doing and what Man United wanted, 
it was never going to work, man. I mean, the thing with Man United that always sticks out was he, he didn't go for the job, right? He yeah, was told, Alex yeah. He was told, you're the Manchester, you're the, you're the successor. If you, you know, when you read up the thing, he goes, Ferguson tells him, it's you. And he goes, the blood, you know, he said the colour drained from his face. Wow. Can you imagine? He looked scared. He looked scared from day one. It was funny. There was, mm. um, the way he talked about the United job was almost like he was trying to not shrink it, but like make it relatable to himself so he could then yes. do it. And it, it just, yeah. I, I, I don't think he was the right manager at that time, if I'm honest. But then I think that that was also a question of, and that's another what if, but frankly, if, if, if the Aguero moment doesn't happen, then maybe Guardiola goes because they get him a year earlier. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. A, it was. A, it was a. It was a mistake of hiring. It was. A, it was. It was. A, it was a bit messy accident. And West Ham now. What Moyes is doing there now, I like it because he can impose his vision on the place. Mm-hmm. He can introduce that tactical sophistication that we know that he has got when he's given a bit mm. of time. And the way he's got someone like Jesse Lingard playing is great as well. Wow. Like you it's know that, that's thing. so exciting, isn't it? Like Jesse Lingard mm. to me, I always looked at him and thought, in a different universe, Jesse Lingard would basically be to Manchester United, what Pedro was to Barcelona. Yep. Mm. A brilliant defensive option who could finish on the run, who could play one touch. Mm. I'll never forget the way that Rio Ferdinand talked about Jesse Lingard's key strength. He said, he has the ability to play on the front foot with the one touch into the final third. Mm. And you never, and I don't know, Carl, how you feel, but this is very damning of United. You never saw that skill fully exploited at United. Never really. Yeah. You never saw Lingard used as the Pedro figure that I think he could have been for them. There was a little stint in the interim spell from Solskjaer yeah. where he used them as a false nine, which was quite fun. I loved that. I loved that. And yeah, there's, there's a piece. I once wrote a piece saying Lingard is a pretty good option for the captaincy at Man United. If you want to, this was at a time where, you know, at the end of 1819, when no one knew who the captain was before Harry Maguire came in, I said, if you want to call, you know, start a new era, fresh, fresh slate for Manchester United, you could do a lot worse than give Lingard the captaincy and say, look, mm. I know a lot of people don't think you're United quality, but you've been, been through the academy. You know what this means. Mm. And you, if you wear this a couple of times, I think you're going to play up to it. And I think Lingard's had, had a very difficult year in a bit, but mm. his ability, well, yeah. his ability off the ball, especially yes, and yes, like on, yes. on the ball, his technical ability, you can play one touch, but you know, there are some things where you're like, okay, I would like someone a bit cuter. But off the ball, I think he's his match reading and yeah, his yeah. ability to carry out attacking tasks. Yes. Are, he's one of those players, Carl, who you look at him and he's he's more suited for international football mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Because of his his movement, like you say, his movement with the ball in the last third and his his ability to be able to pass it on the full run. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 get in the box and score. You know, we might as well give him some flowers before we go back to West Ham, simply yeah. because what people don't understand with what he's doing now is that the work that's probably gone in to him hitting the ground running like he has at West Ham. Right. People who've forgotten about him saying, oh, what's happened to Lingard? He's falling off. <clears throat> people say things about Jesse Lingard saying things like, yeah, well, if he wasn't at Man United, he couldn't get into it. West Ham, he couldn't get in. Because they underestimate the qualities that he has. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. what you're seeing at West Ham with players that he's obviously as good as and better than, that's why he's been at Man United for the time he's been there. So if you now have work ethic, intensity and drive mm-hmm. and you go to West Ham and then you put that work in, all that time when people say Jesse Lingard can't even make Manchester United squads 
you got to look back at those times, guys, and say, well, I wonder what he was doing. People thinking, what, is he sitting at home just putting his feet? That man is working his ass off mm. because you cannot do what you're doing now at West Ham if you weren't working your ass off. And as well, with the problems he was having with his mum and he had to look after his little brother and his sister and that, and the man put that work in and that's what we're seeing now. And honestly, I am so happy for him because people kind of underestimate the journey that some players have to go on just to get in the team and just yeah. j- just to play the football you want to play. Ian, look at like his loan spells though. Most players that go on loan from United don't make it back. Yeah, he went on like know. a couple of loans. This thing I, remember we went to Bur- I remember watching him score a hat-trick at Birmingham and I said, who is that? There, were, there was a point in time where it's, I think I'm pretty sure Jamie Vardy, Harry Kane and Jesse Lingard were at Leicester City all at the same time. Wow. That's um, wild. I'm pretty sure. And Lingard has spoken. He goes, you know, you, you can, you can make jokes about the J Lings or the dance and whatever, mm-hmm. but you never saw me when I'm in a hotel room at Leicester eating chips because I don't know. I, d- I don't know the city. I don't know what to do. Right. And mm, this is yeah, the, when you're, yeah. when you're on loan and you're in your twenties or in your 18, you know, you can't, you can't go out. Can't go driving. You can't go clubbing. Nope. You can't. You're there can't to do go drinking. Yeah. You're basically yeah. you're in a hotel room, and you've got your Netflix and you've got your games console and you've got your DVDs and that's it. Mm. You train. You go back to your hotel room, and you do whatever you need to do before you go back to bed and then train the next day. And it's, tough. it's a hard. It's a hard life. It's on life. Not to gi- not tough. not to give you not to give you any more work because you're doing a great job at Athletic mm. already. But a piece on loans and just that psychology of the unbelievable loan, mm. that, because that is that, something that, that needs is, to be done. Yeah, because that Lisa. is hard. Yeah. Because you know, loan, people under what you've got to understand as a player, and you know, I was fortunate, I didn't have to go on loan anywhere. It, 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 you know what I mean? I'm quite pleased about that. But people who I speak to who have to go on loan, like I've spoken to them, and I always say to them, just remember, because you're, you're normally coming from as well a, a, a club that's better than the club you're going to. Yes. In respects of stature and, and expectation. So you're going into a dressing room with players who are probably dreaming of being where you are. Yes. But now you're on loan. So you have to show those players. Yes. When you get to that club, why you're there and the standards you have to reach. So your training, your preparation, everything that you do while you're on loan has to be twice as good as what they're doing. Yes. It's, a, it's such a mental, it's, it's like, and then now the clubs are sending people out to look at how you're doing, coming to see what you're doing, mm. what you're doing while you're not playing and stuff like that. because. A loan deal is, 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 can be beneficial to everybody, mm-hmm. yes. but it should be beneficial to you in respects of your progress. And you have to go there like a fucking robot, man. This is work. I remember saying it to Eddie and Ketia at Leeds. Eddie, this is not a joke. What you're, this is the, the moment you're in now in respect of your career, mm. people are watching you, watching you intently. You're coming from Arsenal. Your preparation, everything's got to be right. You get a chance, you've got to take it. You've got to play well. You've got, you've got to make sure that people look at you as just purely professional mm-hmm. and speak about you in that way. Honestly, Carl, I'd love to read that piece. Oh yeah, that'd be incredible. Just a I'd love to read that piece. No pressure. You know? More homework. Look at the articles. <laughs> look at the, look at the <laughs> Right. Now, go, now, in fact, go and do it now, Carl. Flare in my no, nostrils. No, <laughs> yes, no. But back to West Ham yeah, and Moyes, yeah. because that's, you know, Jesse's got these flowers. But what Moyes is doing and the way he's building that team, because, you know, like you look at Mikel Antonio, we mentioned him, and he's done it with Tim Cahill, mm-hmm. he done it with Fellaini, and Nautovic, the way he turns those guys 
into forwards mm. that, that, that do it. And when you look at the, the, for some reason, he doesn't seem to have a lot of joy with forwards. When you look at James Beattie, Andy Johnson, Yakubu, um, Luis Saha, who I thought was okay, but it didn't quite work out. He doesn't seem to get it right when he buys that striker. That's interesting. But when Sebastian he turns, Haller, yeah. Mm. It's really, Haller just bam, in, he's got him out. Mm. But when he's got that and turns him into that guy, they all perform. And I like the way that um, Suchek and Rice play. Mm-hmm. It's the best two pivot I see when I watch out there because they've got no, they've got no problems. You can see Moyes saying, listen, if you can go, you go. You yeah. go as far as you can. I've seen, I've seen, seen Rice go as far as he can, go all the way into the box with the ball from his own half, hit the shot, hit the bar. I've seen Suchek against Palace just amble up into the centre forward positions, end up scoring a header as the two pivots. So they're getting, they're getting offensive play from everybody they can. Yeah. You know, they're dangerous, man. And this is why people say, can they stay there? You know, they shouldn't be afraid of anyone. But yeah. at the same time, you have to be worried about them if Mikel Antonio gets injured. Mm. He's, he's built a hardworking team and it's very much, you can have your fun, but make sure you don't forget your fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And Moyes, Moyes knows the fundamentals, right? From Everton or whatever. And you know, even though he didn't have great spots in United or at Sunderland mm-hmm. or at Real Sociedad, you, you know what Moyes is going to bring. He, he's going to bring, he's going to make you strong in the middle. He's going to make you good at set pieces. You're going to be good at crosses. And then everything else is bonus. And what he's done now is get a bunch of players going, right, here's the basics. And what's your bonus stuff? And these, you know, the, the, the extra bits they can offer in are really, really good. And he's managed to harness that in a really nice way. And I think, mm. I mean, even if they don't finish in the Champions League spaces, this is, this is going to be amazing, right? I, I yeah, wasn't but, but high think- on Moyes coming back when Messam yeah. did it, right? I thought, I thought the fact they had him and they went, no, we want, a, we want something more, ex- you know, expansive. Mm. And the fact they went back to him showed to me that West Ham didn't really have, have an understanding of what they wanted to do. And Moyes basically, it sounds as if basically Moyes came in and went, right, if we're going to, if you're going to bring me back, we're going to do it my way. And his way, Mm -hmm. I mean, it works. When it's going well at West Ham, like I've had, like when, when I was at West Ham, it was brilliant. We finished fifth to be when we, when I, when I was there and it was unbelievable because we had a a bunch of guys there who, you know, Decanio, especially when Decanio came and so we we just kind of didn't care about the, the opposition we just played. The only thing I worry for them is, is that, they might get lost in the heights mm. because they're fourth. That's never happened. You never see West Ham in the top four unless it's the first week of the season in the, or first couple of weeks. And then you see your, your team at the top. They're, they're in the top four at this stage of the season. And, you know, whatever happens now, it, it could be, it's, it's brilliant what they're doing, whether it's fourth or ninth. West Ham should now be looking for me to kick on. Mm. And literally until, until they run out of gas, bam, right, that's it. We've run, we, we couldn't do any more. We're going to, we've run out of petrol now. They've got to, they've got to, because it's, it's time to do that in this time. It's time to do that. That's a great feeling. That must be a great feeling in the dressing room of just, you've got a maybe one or two times in your career opportunity to set right, a standard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. It's like the Leicester situation. We might as well talk about Leicester now because Leicester are the team when you look at them with, with Vardy coming back, with the, with the depth they've got now, because that's what cost them last season when they was in the top four and then they dropped out the injuries. They just could not deal with the injuries. You're looking at them now and they seem to be getting stronger when other teams are kind of getting a little bit weaker in and around the top 
the top four apart from City. How do you sell Riyad Mahrez and Ben Chilwell and get better? Unbelievable. <laughs> I, that's yeah, wild. Their scouting department Kante. is unreal. No, it's unbelievable. Honestly. Yeah. So many United fans right now are saying, we need Ndidi. Go get Ndidi. Go get Ndidi. Mm. And I, I mm. said, you know what? If, if I was, you know, if you gave me the imaginary director of football role at Manchester United, I'd start the summer and I'd go up to Leicester City and I'd go, I will give you this much money for Wilfred and Didi. And, and, and when they say no, I'll go, okay, I'll give you five more. And then the moment I get a sniff of who they're looking to replace Wilfred and Didi, I just buy them into that. <laughs> <laughs> the moment I get a sniff, sniff of who they're looking who at. Leicester City are looking at the Ndidi replacement. Thank you. <laughs> Bam, go get him. Carl, you're Basuma. nice to me. See, I for a job, this, I just buy the scouting department. I know. I know the whole thing just going by. Yeah, yeah, just going by. Just going. Wholesale. When you look at the Villa Leicester game, because of everything that happened with Jack Grealish as well, with the fantasy football, which I found, <laughs> I found so funny. absolutely hilarious because you think to yourself, you know, look, how do players can be so naive to do something like that? Even if you're going to do a fantasy football league or whatever, why are you using your name? <laughs> Why are you using your own, your actual name? And you've got, you're playing against people in the club and then you, you lose a player like Jack Grealish and you, you take him out so as people can see that. Wild. Honestly, Dean Smith, he's, Dean Smith's right. He's banned it. He's banned all of the fantasy <laughs> league football. And he's right to do that because knowing that someone like Jack Grealish with what he brings to that team is not playing, that's great news for Leicester. Mm. Can I say you this know, as well? I love how Leicester yeah. Villa is like a big fixture. That is like a regional standoff. Mm. The Midlands, that is a proper Midlands standoff. Midlands That's a big, yeah. I love how that, I love how the Premier League is strong like that. The one thing I want to say about this game very quickly, because mm-hmm. it's been bothering me a bit, Kasper Schmeichel's behaviour after Triori's oh, goal. God. What that was that about? Was what was he doing? Or he kneels on him. The second he scored a goal, he yeah. kneels on him and just stays there for a few I seconds. I love the way Ollie Watkins just come and pushed him off. Like, I would have done sh- the same because he should have got, why a, is he doing he should that? got a yellow at the least for that. That should have been a yellow at least. It felt very... How do I think? It's premeditated. You, yeah, but the thing about it is, Musa, you, I'm so pleased you brought that up because it made me feel very uncomfortable the way he was leaning on him. Nasty. Knelt right? on him nasty. and he didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. He scores a goal. He doesn't make contact with him while he scores the goal. So they're 2-0 up at that point, uh, Leicester. Harvey Barnes being a great predator from, from close range. Um, Beautiful finish, yeah. He's smashed Really it. nice run of form. Yeah. Now, they've been talking to each other prior to that, but... I'm not even sure if it's that, but Traore basically scores that goal and he's nowhere near Schmeichel. Schmeichel's maybe frustrated and just ends up kneeling on him for a few kneels, seconds. Kneels just and stayed nothing, on him. No one does, there's no sanction at all for that. That was a really, it was quite a bleak moment seeing that. It's just honest. uncomfortable yeah, to see, really wasn't it? Yeah, it was nasty. Really nasty. I believe that Leicester will stay in the top four oh, this yeah. season because yeah. I think that their manager, again, very, he's very good. Yeah, excellent We just coach. have to, we just ha- you know, and I think that off of the back of what's happening with Leicester, I don't know, he's, he's got another move in him. He's got another jump. He can go up again. We're talking about a manager that has really, really come on. Yeah. Really come on in, 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 his, in his coaching acumen. He's right up there with anyone in this league. Great mm. job at Spurs. He did a great job at Spurs, for example. I'll tell you what. So obviously when I'm writing articles for The Athletic and whatever, you know, when you want to write stuff about a club like Manchester United, you often want to compare their record to the rest of the top six. Mm. And there are two or three times now when I'm, you know, I'll do the first year after and I'll send it over. And I'll say, you know, here's Ollie's record in substitutes against the top six. Uh, and my editor will go, do you mean top six is in 
the old-fashioned top six or the top six is in last season that includes Leicester. Mm-hmm. And we're in that state now where, yeah. Yeah. where we, when you talk about the top six, we yeah. also have to figure out, are we going to lump in Leicester with that? Are we going to call it a top seven? Of are they whatever? Well, we have to take, so you have to take what they've done. Incredible. I think the top six should be who the top six are right now. Yeah. Okay. That's what it should be. It should always be like that. Who's in the top six and who've been there continually is doing their stuff. Leicester have been up and around it for a few years, for, for a couple of years now. Isn't that amazing? Around. They've created the expectation. The, the, the achievement of Leicester to win the league is still the greatest thing yeah. they may ever achieve. But In Premier League the, history, the, I think that the, would be. Yeah, but the second greatest thing is to achieve the expectation to see Leicester in the top six. If they don't come, if Leicester don't finish like top six, it's a disappointing season at this point. They were disappointed to finish fifth. Yeah, it's mm. unbelievable what they've managed to achieve. I've said this before, but if Jamie Vardy was at Atletico Madrid, this, this La Liga would not be as close as it is. Scary hours. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be. Ja- Jamie Vardy at Atletico Madrid. He's almost one of those players where he needs to go abroad for p- some people to fully understand this man is demonic. He's <laughs> demonic on the counter-attack. It's the most terrible. Demonic. <laughs> yeah, he's demonic when it comes to That's it. the problem. That is Leicester's problem. You know, when, when he's not, not in. Yeah. yeah. When he's not in, guys, then, you know, Kalechi doesn't do it. Ayosi Perez doesn't do it. But who does? So, yeah, who does? You know what I mean? It's, that's the, you know, we're talking about the recruitment. And, Could um, argue Vardy's the best counter-tracking nine in world football. There's an argument um, to say that he's the best. There's an argument on the specific counter. Mm-hmm. Is, no, there isn't no one better. In terms of how that man disintegrates defensive lines and mm-hmm. relishes the gap, but I've never seen in the, in the modern era that last five years, mm. he's Vardy, a monster. He, feed, he, is a, he feeds on that final third. It's like, yeah. it's, like it's dark matter. It's, <laughs> it's like horrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but he always goes after Pep as well. He always goes after Pep's high line. He feasts on it. He loves yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he loves yeah. it. He, he loves, loves it. playing against he loves it. Man marking Rodri. <laughs> 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 Rodri leaving the lights on in his house for next week. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Arsenal City, man, because I was doing the game and I, I can't lie to you that, you know, when you're, you're, you're looking forward to the game, I'm getting ready, I'm sitting down ready to watch. Okay, let me see Arsenal, bang. You score a goal and I think, well, how's that come about? What, what's, how have they done that so quickly? And what, why, why aren't we alive to that? And I think you have to look at the fact that there is no number nine. There is no focal point for City. Mm-hmm. And the first goal was all about underestimating the caliber of the team you're playing against. Mm. So Diaz gets the ball just in front of the halfway line, maybe five, 10 yards, not closed down enough. So he's got all that time to look at Mares, who's like 40 yards away in space. Now I'm thinking, Kieran Tierney, we're talking about the first minute of the game. Just move over and like five yards and kind of like dissuade him from hitting that pass. Mm-hmm. Make it go through because let's just keep ourselves just like in it for a bit. Let's watch what they're doing. He doesn't do that. So then he's not tight enough. Mares goes over to Mares. He's touch. His touch is, and the thing what people don't under, understand with when, when you've got a player that 
of that stature and that caliber who his touch is so good. Tierney, right. what he doesn't do, he doesn't show him down the line on the right foot. How many times have you seen Mares get the ball and go down the line and cross it? You don't see that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He manipulates it back inside and Tierney lets him do it. Now, the problem in the middle now, this is where, the, this is where it all starts getting really cool for City, is that Holding doesn't know who to mark. And when you watch Holding, yes. he continues looking behind him because he's thinking at any stage, a forward's going to come into this space. Mm-hmm. At any stage, it doesn't happen. And then what happens? Bernardo Silva and Sterling kind of do a little changeover move where Holding thinks he's coming in there. He doesn't. He actually goes and comes behind Holding. And then what I'm talking about in respects of the caliber of player and what they're able to do is that the cross is so pinpoint. Mm. That a player of five foot seven can score a goal in the middle of our box. And all that came down to was Hector Bellerin and maybe Holding not realizing that they've not got a center forward. So wait a minute. You make sure that when Sterling comes, you've got him because of the height difference. Yeah. If yeah. Myers is putting that in, you're going to beat him. So you have to look where he is. You have to find him. I'll take Bernardo Silva wherever he goes. Just make sure that you can have a look for where Sterling is. Because he's not going to beat you in the air. So we're talking about 75 seconds. That happens. Game's over. For whatever reason, City, you know, they just keep playing. Arsenal done a little bit in respect of having a go at them down the left side doing a bit, but it's not nowhere near enough. But again, it comes down to the fine margins of just being tighter and respecting this team for what they're capable of doing. Can we give some flowers very quickly then to players who are a bit shorter winning Winning headers and scoring. So Lucas Moura this week. Down with the end. Yeah. Lucas, he's on the way. Lucas Moura won a near. He won oh a near post header, God. and Lucas Moura is he's many things, but he's not. He's not. You know, he's not the tallest character. But his and header was purposely. It speaks the timing and movement. Yeah. Lucas Moura started inside the box and cut out from the six yard onto the edge, and this is the thing. So I want to like. I know that Arsenal weren't fully ready, but also. This is what Marcelo Salas did. He won a lot of great headers. I think World Cup 98, he scores in, against Italy, like I think in the, uh, op- in the group stages. He scores a beautiful headed goal surrounded by taller players. So there's something to be said for the timing, but on the Mares point, before I forget, because I want to talk about this too very quickly, Riyad Mahrez is a classic example of what you were saying earlier, how there are some players who don't show them your stuff immediately, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when you've got an archer, Riyad Mahrez is like an archer with an arrow on his back. You know that man's going to use the arrow at some point. So mm-hmm. you're always scared of it. <laughs> You, you know that Mares is going to cut inside you at some point. Mm-hmm. And now Tierney will know that. Tierney knows that if Mares cuts inside, he's not going to cross. He's going to go for blood. If Mares cuts mm-hmm. inside, he's going to go byline and try and do a Narshavin, hammer it in the far corner, hammer it in the top. Mm-hmm. So Tierney is almost like picking his poison going, I'll make him cross it because that's less devastating than going on the outside, yeah. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Mares almost, it's almost like, you know, Daniel James needs to look at Mares and go like, that is when you use your tools. Because yes. mm. that, that goal, that goal is all about fear. Yeah. That was all about fear of Mahrez, that finish. Arsenal, I believe, are happy with the ball maybe coming in from the cross because there's no centre forward. And if there is somebody in there, he's very small. So they've instantly shown a lack of respect for what they're capable of doing. You know, and, and, and I think to myself, when you're playing against the best, you cannot underestimate anything. I have some sympathy because we saw a lot of goals scored at the weekend um, early in matches. We saw Monaco score early against PSG. We saw a lot of early goals. Um, and I'm just wondering, then if there's something in the water, but the, the pressure of just being on, mm-hmm. or maybe the pressure of not being on, like, you know, it's not a full stadium, right? So 
I wonder if there's something to be said. I wonder if we do like a stat, Carl, if we do like a, a look at like how many goals were scored early compared to last year, because maybe, I wonder if, I'm not trying to make excuses, but stadium atmosphere is one of those things that gets you up and ready Some, and fully on your toes. There's a very good uh, Twitter account called United Arena that do, mm. you know, they're, they're, they're very good on biomechanics and the smaller things in football. And recently mm. they looked at the, the goal difference for every sort of 15 minute period of Premier League games. Um, and United aren't very, very good at the opening part of games. Um, mm. Arsenal are here or there. Tottenham Hotspur are terrible in the first right. 15 minutes of the second right. half. Right. Like, I don't know what right. they're doing in the, in the halftime team talk, but Spurs start the second half really, really cold. And you saw that. You know what I mean? It's probably because the manager's just absolutely killed and hammered somebody and fucking made them feel shit. You, you do wonder. I mean, the West Ham game, you know, First goal, opening stage of the first half. Second goal, opening stage of the second half. And I think the team talk or whoever's doing the team talk now at, at, at the start and at halftime of games must be really, really important because I'd say at a time like this where teams aren't, they don't have enough time in between games to, to watch mm. film. Um, you, you can, like managers now are going, oh, we finally had time to go on the training pitch today. Mm. Like the amount of coaching is, is less and less and less. So mm. I think that means teams are going from less proactive systems to more reactive systems. Mm, yeah. And when you're reactive, basically, a lot of the time, you're just like, right, you know, the game starts, you're wearing a blindfold, and then it takes, it takes a goal for you to go, oh, all right, fine, that's what's going on. Mm. Um, and I do have, I do, yeah, I, that's why I do have sympathy, mm. joking aside, I do have sympathy for teams that start slow. I do have sympathy for Arsenal like that. And also as well, one thing I'll say is, well, the, the false nine, it's important to say this too, that works only in a system which is extremely advanced yes. and complex. Like to pl mm. A lot of people go, oh, like, you know, a lot of teams will be coaching at low levels going, oh, we'll have a false nine. That is such mm. the level of attacking coordination that requires. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's such precision. A, oh the my precision. goodness. It's like choreography. Mm. You know, watching Kevin mm. De Bruyne playing and like floating this like chip narrowly wide of the post and like Gundogan, like any one of those one, one no. day, City are going to mm. play. It'll be like two years from now when Guardiola's still there because he seems to be really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. One day, they're going to play with six midfielders, each of whom <laughs> will at some point occupy the full line position. Occupy the full line. Can he'll, I tell you yeah. something? Yeah. They, put, they got Arsenal in a situation the other day. There was a move what happened where Holding found himself, remember, he was playing right side centre-half. Mm -hmm. He found himself over the left side mm. of Arsenal's defence in, just in, Manchester City's off following Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. So then what mm. happens is, is that, so then who was it? I think it was Gundogan then pulls Mare. Mare comes in towards the, um, the centre circle, right by the centre circle where you kick off. And there was an ocean of space that Kevin De Bruyne made a run, but, they, um, but like, I don't think Diaz saw it. And it would have been like you would have said, what has just happened there? It must be so tough to play against a team that can do it so yeah with such precision and repeatedly, yeah, but, see, right? And to be so, fair, to be fair, oh god, it's frightening the spaces that we're to opening. To be fair up. to Arsenal, to be fair to Arsenal again, and you know, it, playing against City is an absolute nightmare. They're the masters of um, they're the masters of attacking, like not immediately. Mm. They're the masters of getting the ball on the edge the of the ones. They'll get yeah. on the edge of the box. They'll get a square pass edge of the box. The example I always use of this was um, the, the Champions League 2015, the opening goal, Champions League final 2015 opening goal, which I'm obsessed with for so many reasons. Messi plays the crossfield pass. Um, 
it comes to Neymar. Neymar takes a touch. It's not the best touch. And Neymar then lays it square. He doesn't mm. play it straight and he plays it square. And then Iniesta cuts. Iniesta arrives on the ball at high speed and that's the one. It's like the first pass Neymar plays isn't back into the box. It's a square mm-hmm. pass. And Iniesta arrives at speed, cuts, plays it square to Rakitic, 1-0, six minutes mm-hmm. in. And City are the masters of that, setting the table. Mm. Set the table, edge of the box. There's a pass that um, De Bruyne makes that narrowly fails to connect where he gets the ball um, standing edge of the box and plays it back to De Bruyne and De Bruyne basically mm. hammers it straight back through the gap that it came from. Right. So everyone is basically like moving towards and everyone's like, it's completely yeah. natural to kind of step up. And De Bruyne hits it straight back the same corridor mm. and almost plays in their forwards. Okay, but, but, but Moose, I tell you what, if you, if, if people listening can ever get the, the opportunity to watch uh, Manchester City on what we call the tactical camera. Have you seen the tactical angle? No, no, you no, can no, see, no. You can, honestly, where you can see the whole pitch. Wow. Okay. So, so when we're doing the, the analysis, like match of the day or, or, um, or, or the Premier League, you can see the whole pitch. And I watch, um, I, I, I used to love watching Liverpool as well on it because their movement and that you just, you, when you're watching it you could just see oh my goodness just, yeah, just yeah. see the shapes and the things appearing and with City what you see more than any other team is massive spaces just appear and yeah. you think and, and when you're watching it you're watching it you're thinking what's going on and then all of a sudden you're, you, you just think wow that's a massive space what's happened and you just see someone move in here someone move wide someone move towards the ball and then you see someone it's it's literally like watching a mobile chess game, just yep. like, foom, 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 and it's brilliant to watch. You know, so wow. Musa, your your goal is 2015 Champions League final. The one I think about yeah. all the time, World Cup 2006, semi-final, Italy versus Germany. Gross oh my goodness, goal. yeah, okay. Yep, so yep, yep, it's the goal yep. where Perlo, it gets to Perlo and Perlo takes yes. three touches away from the goal. Yes. Or four, he slides in. Grosso. And he plays the reverse pass. But the amazing thing about that one is when you watch it, you can see, so Perla takes three touches away from the goal and then he plays the pass. When he gets yes. to the second touch, Schweinsteiger, basically, like you can see Schweinsteiger's nose slide and his ears perk up because he's gone, what's he doing? Hang on, something's gone yes. wrong. And then he like <laughs> runs towards Perla and begins to turn his head. By the time he realizes what's gone wrong, right. it's, it's over. It's he's, it's done. he's already he's dead. dead. He's already yeah. dead. He's dead. And he's it's, already oh my God. That's like, it's the most, it's the most terrifying. The there are so many times. I mean, now when you, you do analysis or whatever, you can watch some of these goals from some of the, you know, the best teams in the world. Is when, when a team properly manipulates space and then maybe mm. one player, they, you know, there's, like, there's one player who's, who's, gone, who's gone, hang on. What? Yes. yes. You've sucker yes. punched me. That's, you know what that is? That is, that is good fellas. That is when he thought he's, that is when he thought he was going to be a made man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he walks into the that room. That is what it is. That's what that player is, Carl. The person that goes, whoa, wait a minute. Bam. Yep. You're dead. Yep. And I, I really would love people to be able to watch Manchester City on a tactical camera. Oh my goodness. Because then yeah. you can understand what they're doing almost to the point I know we've not spoke much about Arsenal but almost to the point where you think whatever number nine comes in there mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to have to be someone uh, uh, we're talking about Haalandy that kind of level I think it's someone because, we've never heard of I think it's someone we don't know yet it's because like what they're doing at the moment yeah. again like I'm saying defenders are thinking that they have to mark a number nine and they've still got their Right, what would a striker do now? He's going to run into this space. So let me keep looking. He doesn't do it because 
They've got Mares who can put it on a five foot seven striker's head who's on his way down mm-hmm. with the header as well. So it's not, so he's five foot seven. He's gone up in the air and he's still coming down. That's how pre- as precise the ball was. Scores the goal that wins the game. Do you know, what, you know City, this, City, what City are doing is also weird. This is why it's so difficult. Like, it's like watching someone eat a soup with eating soup with a fork. You're like, oh, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, that's never, that's, that's never going to, it's never going to work. It's you're archery, it's chess, it's soup. <laughs> Three minutes later, you're like, oh my God, the bowl is empty. The bowl is empty. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? How have they done that? How have they done that? I thought <laughs> it was going to be made. <sighs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> with, with City, sorry, I had to just, I don't know why that popped into my head, but well, like, no, really it's fine. And the thing is, as well, Musa, can you imagine being the a high class centre forward now, and you could be the one that he puts into that team? So you're going to play for Pep yeah. with that team. It's it's literally you probably could get anyone. My favourite. Yes. I know that Hurlan Haaland, his dad has said he's, he doesn't want him to come here yet. Spain's his next destination. But how much is that going to cost someone in Spain? Can they, they haven't got the money? Haven't got the money? Uh, yeah, who's got the money? You know, yeah. imagine so, the pitch you know, Pep would make for you if you're a striker right now. He got me and goes oh right. God, can you imagine? I want to make you, you world class. You're going to score 15 Premier League goals minimum, just the way the system works. And then on top of the just, things you're yeah. good at, then wow. you can score anywhere between 10 to 15. And we're probably going to pay you a lot of money to do that because you you will. You know, it's just you like it's it's the dream. It's the dream. That's it's the, the dream centre forward role now. Scary hours. Somebody. Scary hours it's, for the rest of the league. Carl, the way you put that is so, do you know what that's, it's so compelling. It's so exciting. Like you, you're going to get like, you get 30 goals a season in Easily. the league, in the league. Easily. You will get 15. See Alan Shearer's record. If, if they can get, so if they do get someone like Erlen Haaland. Oh my goodness. At City, then you, you, you're starting to feel like Shearer's, Shearer's record's in danger. No. It's in danger. <laughs> I dare not speak if, the words. Well, if you, if you have an Erling Haaland going to City at this age... Don't mention, don't take anyone from Germany. Ryan just, Ryan appears. <laughs> <laughs> On this podcast, just never mention German transfer Don't say rumors. anything bad yeah. about, don't yes. say anything about the Bundesliga that's not, that's, that's not a, a thing of beauty. Yeah. And don't try and take any player away. From the Bundesliga to come to the because with Ryan, with that's Ryan. with Ryan, and that's like with Ryan, that's like when you take a cat's wet food. Yeah, you know when cat, <laughs> yeah. Ryan is very much a cat. <laughs> you know when you, you you know when you fiddle with the wet food, the cat's like, oh really? We're being cute today. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> that's Ryan with the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Listen, guys, I think it's time. I had a, I had a great chat with you guys. You Always know? a pleasure. Always it's a, a joy. It's a pleasure. Never <laughs> a chore. Never vibes, a chore. Vibes. <laughs> Karl Anker of the Athletic. Be real. That's his real name. That's his whole name there. Musa, Musa Konga from the studio. My absolute pleasure. I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Please. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks very much, Carl Anker from The Athletic. Thank you very much, Musa Kwanga. And everybody, thanks for listening. Um, I hope everybody's staying well, like I say, staying safe. And um, have a good week until next week. Take it easy, guys. Love.